0: welcome to Creativity School. This is the podcast all about how to tap into your creativity and get your greatness out of you and into the world. I'm your host Grace Chan and each week we'll get lessons on how to start the thing you've always wanted to start and learn the tips and strategies you need for how to be awesome at it. If you're one of those people that feels a calling to do something, make something, or be something more, if you want to start shining your light and share it with the world, this is the show for you. Let's get started. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to episode 37 of Creativity School. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is my favorite way to listen to my books the same way that I listen to my podcasts. I personally love using Audible. I use it every morning when I'm walking my dogs. I listen to books about money, creativity, spirituality, parenting, you name it, Audible has it. There's a book that I've recommended so many times on this show, and I'm going to recommend it again because I've gotten such good feedback from people about this book. And that book is called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. It is a book all about creativity and everything that has to do with it. It is so much in alignment with what we talk about on this show. And just in the last week, actually, I've heard from so many people who say they love that book and you can listen to it for free. So if you want to get started with your free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial, you can go to creativityschoolpodcast.com slash audible. That's creativityschoolpodcast.com slash audible. You can cancel your membership at any time, and if you use my link to sign up, you'll directly be supporting this show. I hope you like Audible as much as I do. I hope you all had an amazing week. I got some really wonderful messages from a couple of you this week that just really made my day, and I want to read an email that I got from a listener named Venice. Venice said, I follow you on Instagram and saw a post about an upcoming guest for the business of creativity, and I decided to listen to my very first podcast ever, and I'm so glad it was your podcast. I'm hooked, and I've been listening when I can, including while I walk my dog. I was feeling like I have no creative outlets in my life that are mine, and I feel the loss of this in my world. Listening to your podcast has given me hope that I will find my creative side, and maybe it will become more than a hobby. Today, I'm on episode six, and it's great. I plan to attend a cave day this fall. Thank you for starting your podcast. Venice. Thank you for that message. You totally made my day. There's so much about what you said that I really resonated with, particularly when you said, I have no creative outlets in my life that are mine, and I feel the loss of this in my world. I really feel like it's like a loss that we don't even know we have. When you don't allow your creativity to express itself It's it it feels like a loss, especially when you realize how much you've been holding it back or suppressing it or just not exploring it at all because creativity is so innately human. And to deny that aspect of ourselves really is suppressing a very natural aspect of ourselves. So I'm really excited that this show is inspiring you and motivating you to start exploring that part of your world. I am so excited to see where this takes you thank you again for the message. Thank you for all of you who listen every week and who reach out. I really do enjoy hearing from you. If you feel like the show has made any impact in your life, if it has made you feel a little bit more inspired, a little bit more motivated, I would really appreciate a review on the platform that you listen to the show. And again, I love hearing from you. So please reach out anytime. I am so excited about today's episode all about cannabis and creativity and what an incredible healing and wellness tool cannabis is. So for those of you who are not into it or don't know anything about it, maybe you're curious, I know maybe some people just are not into it at all or think it's bad, And I personally really like destigmatizing things. I really like to bring understanding and awareness to things that maybe have a judgment or a misconception or a stigma that's surrounding it. And so anytime on this show that I can do that and provide a little bit more clarity, I want to do that. So we are doing that this week, All About Cannabis Now, I know there are probably a lot of you out there who love cannabis, like me, which you'll find out in this episode, and I know there are just as many of you out there who don't like it or have never even tried it, or maybe you're curious about it. So this episode is all about just normalizing and destigmatizing cannabis, because there has been such a history of cannabis in this country where it's been very demonized and stigmatized. And I think most of us are familiar with cannabis for recreational use and just having fun and getting stoned. And more recently, there's a lot more talk about it for medicinal use. And This conversation is really amazing because we're going to talk about cannabis for more, for wellness, for creativity, for using it as a healing tool for your mental and emotional and spiritual growth. And I really love this conversation and I really like this episode. It's one of my favorites because my guest, Monica Lowe, is amazing. She has such an interesting story and background. Monica is a chef. She's a self-taught photographer. She's the founder of a blog called Sue Weed, and she's a pioneer in the cannabis chef movement. I'm always really fascinated to talk to people who create their own path, that make careers for themselves that you didn't even know were a possibility. And she is one of those people. So I really love hearing about how she found herself in this world that she's in because her background is actually in advertising. Like me, she was an art director in the ad industry and she walked away from that career and carved her own path into this really cool niche world of cannabis culture and she's working to change the public perception of cannabis users, because as she says, we've sort of all just been exposed to just like one kind of cannabis user, and that's really not representative of everybody that uses it. It's not just like the 420 stoner culture that we've seen over and over again in the media. There are so many other people that use cannabis for whatever reason, So, on this episode with Monica Lowe, we're going to talk all about how she created her own path organically by creating what she needed... That's a familiar theme we hear all the time on the show. And then we start digging into cannabis and how it applies to creativity, how it applies to productivity, how it can be used for our emotional health and our spiritual health. I use it for my own spirituality and in meditation. I use it to come up with amazing ideas. So this episode is all about answering all your questions about cannabis do want to say a really quick disclaimer because we've recorded this episode back in July. It is now September and very recently in the last few weeks and even the last few days there's been a ton of news about vaping and people dying because of lung-related diseases due to vaping. And I think they're finding that there is like a synthetic additive in the vaping oil in like off-the-street black market products that is causing people to injure their lungs and even die. So I just wanna say that if you are inspired to go and try cannabis after this episode and you've never done it, please exercise your best judgment, educate yourself, ask people for help, ask people for their recommendations, and just be smart about it. Please educate yourself, follow your own intuition, listen to your own guidance, and do what you feel is right. And there is a lot of news out there about vaping, so I just wanted to put that out there if that is something that you wanted to try. I hope you liked this episode as much as I did. Reach out to me if you liked it too. Reach out to me if you use cannabis in any of these ways. I'm so curious about how you use it for your own wellness and your own creativity. And until next time, my friends, put something great out there. Hi, Monica. Thank you so much for joining me on Creativity School today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You have such an interesting job. I'm just so excited to start digging in about all of this. But you're a chef, you're a photographer, you're the founder of Sue Weed, which is your company, and then you are a pioneer in the cannabis chef movement, which is so interesting to me because I think you're the first person I've ever talked to who does the stuff that you're doing. So can you just tell us what it is exactly that you do?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, So my name is Monica Lowe. I'm a photographer, creative director, and also the creator of Sue Weed. So Sue Weed is a blog that is dedicated to using cannabis as a superfood ingredient in the home kitchen. So many, if not most, of my recipes pay homage to the flavors of my Taiwanese-American heritage, but I also use modern sous vide methods to make my cannabis infusions. And it looks like a normal food blog in hopes of normalizing and destigmatizing cannabis use. It's also educational to help curious readers to understand how to utilize cannabis as a wellness tool in their daily routine. But my creative journey is a long one and it's shifted a lot through the years. Um, Came from an advertising background, design background, worked in production a lot, moved to San Francisco and did the whole food and tech startup thing. And then it kind of, you know, segued into the cannabis industry. And I'm happy to dive in a little bit more.
0: Yeah, because there's so much I want to unpack about the stuff that you said. First of all, you said um, use the sous vide method. So for those listening who aren't familiar with that, can you explain what that is?
1: It sounds scarier and really foreign, but it's not. All you need to do is you put your ingredients in a bag and you seal it up and you place it underwater. And there's a sous vide machine that just circulates water at a very regulated temperature and you cook your food that way. So You can never overcook uh, or overheat anything that you're cooking. And for the cannabis cooking, for like oil infusions, it's perfect because you're never going to overcook and it's going to be really discreet and you're not going to have like the smell of cannabis wafting around your apartment building or your home.
0: Is that how you typically make the food? You're taking the oils and then infusing it into the stuff that you make?
1: Yeah, yeah. So what I do is I put my cannabis and whatever the oil base is in a bag or in a mason jar and I seal it up and place it underwater and let that infuse for a few hours. And then after that, I have a bunch of different oils that I can use for sweet treats or, you know, salad dressings, healthier items and ways to just like Dose your meals throughout your day. Just microdosing if you want, and it's just a lot more convenient that way. You're not tying up your stovetop or using a crock pot and stinking up the whole place.
0: Okay, so you mentioned something I was curious about. You said microdosing. First of all, can you taste the weed and the food?
1: Yeah. And I think there's something charming about that. There's so many like wonderful strains out there and I like to use it as an ingredient. It's not something that I want to mask. You know, there's so many different terpene profiles that I want to highlight. Sometimes it tastes a little like lemony. There's like a citrusy aroma or sometimes a little piney aroma. Like I like to use cannabis as an herb in a way. And mm. uh, I think that extra flavor adds something nice to your dish. And. In- um, microdosing, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was curious because, like,
0: uh, do people eat food infused with cannabis for the purposes of feeling the effects of
1: it? Yeah, I would say so, and that's why when you're cooking with single strains, that's like a way that you can do that. And with the sous vide method, you can infuse particular strains into oils, and you can have like a variety like of pantry items like for example, gorilla glue, you can have that as like an olive oil and then you can have a different strain, um, canatonic for a honey infusion and you can use it in different ways and for different effects.
0: This is really interesting. Oh, and I thought of another question I wanted to <laughs> ask you is cause I've noticed you're calling it cannabis. Is that like sort of like the, the better term to use? Is that purposeful? Yeah. I'm,
1: and there's, like no wrong way to call it, you know, you can call it pot, weed, grass. It's all fine to use. Cannabis is just the more formal scientific term that most of us in the industry use because it doesn't carry as much stigma or racist connotations as like marijuana does, for example. But marijuana itself isn't a racist term. Back in the 30s, the U.S. used it to incite fear because it sounded foreign And as for the etymology of marijuana, there are speculations that it could have come from the Mexican immigrants who heard the Chinese immigrants calling it ma rinhua, which translates to hemp seed flower. So it's all like really fascinating stuff and there's no wrong way to call it.
0: Yeah, I wondered if you and others that are leaders that are the forefront of this culture called it cannabis for the purposes of sort of destigmatizing marijuana and weed because there's just such a history of taboo surrounding it. And even for those listening, like I wonder if some people who are listening that are still like, "Ooh, marijuana. No, but I mean, just between the two of us and everybody else listening, I personally love weed. I mean, I call it weed, pot, whatever. Right. But I just think that for a very long time, there was a stigma, especially being Asian American. You know, it was almost like I felt embarrassed to
1: admit that I liked it. I don't drink. Um, Do you drink? Um, Yeah, I do. Um, But not as much as I used to back in the day, like my advertising days in New York. I'm just older now. So hangovers last way too long and I don't need to be feeling like that all day. So cannabis is the way to go for me.
0: Yeah. You know, I am like a terrible drinker. Like I go from feeling fine to feeling like I want to die. Like there's no happy place, you know? And so weed has always been my thing. Like that's just what I like. And, you know, I use it for all kinds of things. You know, I used to use it when I worked in advertising to help me come up with ideas, which is something I really want to talk to you about today, the connection between cannabis and creativity. But, you know, I like it just for fun, like to watch movies. I like it to eat. I think eating while you're stoned is honestly like one of the best experiences ever. Do you feel like that? (laughs) And
1: and, it all comes down to the different strains too. There are strains that make me get the munchies really hard and then I'll just like crush an entire bag of dried mangoes because I love the texture on my teeth. I'm just so weird. And there are other strains that like I take and I just really, really enjoy cleaning on it and I'll just blast music and Marie Kondo my entire house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You know
0: what else I use it for? Um, I use it for meditation, actually. Have you ever oh, tried absolutely. that? absolutely.
1: I think going inside and just reflecting. Yes. Yeah, you just sit there and you just reflect and put on one of those. I mean, I have, what app do I use for meditation?
0: Like Headspace or Calm or one of those? Yeah,
1: one of those. Like Inside Timer is the one that I use. I love that just for like, I'll put something on, I'll meditate. Even if it's like just gongs or like singing bowls in the background, it's just really nice to just like, hey, just go inside, reflect for a bit, and then you come out feeling so much better.
0: Yeah. Gosh, I'm actually really excited to talk to you about all this today because, <laughs> you know, you're an expert in this field and it's just really cool to have this conversation with you because, you know, I can talk about it with other people, but I just think that you're like a pioneer in this field of cannabis and combining it with food. And I've actually never talked to somebody else who says they use it with meditation. You are the first person.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, there's times, I am mean, based in San Francisco, so there are meditation retreats, there are ganja yoga classes. There's just oh, so many yeah. different ways that people utilize it for as a wellness tool
0: and I discovered it totally accidentally. You know, I think I was stoned one night and I was like, well, I want to meditate. Let me try this. And I felt like it allowed me to be so open in a way that I might not be otherwise.
1: Do you feel like that? I definitely feel like that. So I'm kind of a type A, zero chill, high anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> That's probably why we like it so much. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. Yeah. And it just helps me focus on being creative and more thoughtful and intentional with my work and also my relationships. So in relationships with myself and with others. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it
0: helps me have this clarity about myself. Like I feel like I can have this awareness and see where blocks are Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Maybe it's that openness. It just really allows me to have clarity on where my blocks are, areas that I really need to heal in my life. And that openness, I guess, really helps me to just move through that. So I have found it to just be a really incredible tool in my life. I just don't think it's this negative thing that we have stigmatized so much. And uh, I don't know. (laughs) Do you find that that it's since it's becoming more legalized in a lot of different states now that some of that stigma is being removed? Or do you find that people are still very resistant to this idea of cannabis?
1: I think more and more people are becoming canicurious kind of these days. And mm-hmm, oh, curious. <laughs> <laughs> And there's a lot more funding now too for medical research than in the past. So that was a, one great thing that happened out of legalization. And I think it's so crucial. And now that there is more medical research, people are talking about it more. And you know we're, we're destigmatizing along the way. And I recently did a talk at the Asian Art Museum in San Francisco on the origins of cannabis in ancient Asia and its roots in traditional Chinese medicine. And while we were talking, the audience was filled with Gen X and baby boomers who were just interested in learning more about the medical benefits of cannabis. It was it blew my mind, you know, because when I started diving into the space about five years ago, I had a lot of resistance, especially from the Asian American communities. And it was really, really cool, you know, to see the progress that we've made and seeing all these faces in the audience who were just like open minded and more curious. And it wasn't coming from a place of, okay, let's pick it apart. They were honestly, genuinely curious. And that made me really happy.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned, too, like the stigma in the Asian community. Do you find that there's a certain community where it's most stigmatized? Because I feel like in the Asian community, people do not understand it. Like my mom thinks it's like from the devil. (laughs) Like she just thinks it's terrible. And, you know, in Korea, have
1: you heard about how stigmatized it is in Korea? Oh, yeah. Many people... Public, wait, what were K pop stars, right? They had to publicly apologize because there was like a photo of one of them using a vape pen in the US when they were touring and they had to go back and like publicly apologize.
0: Yeah. And I think in Korea, like they go to jail if you smoke weed. Yeah. It's really, oh, yeah. really bad. And, you know, I went to Korea a few years ago and my friend was like, don't even ask about it. Just don't even say it. And I was like, <laughs> okay. But when I got to the airport, Oh my God. So I had a jacket on and I guess the last time I wore it was like on a date night with my husband and we were walking, like we live off Sunset Boulevard. So we were walking to go eat one night. And I guess like I had a joint with me because I was like, Ooh, let me do my favorite thing and smoke a little bit and eat something yummy. And when I got to Korea, I found the end of my joint in my pocket when I was at the airport. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go to jail. (laughs) And there is like drug sniffing dogs everywhere. Oh, my God. Am I going to be banned from ever entering Korea ever again, telling the story on this podcast? Um, But I like, you know, very slyly kind of threw it away in the garbage can and walked away from it very quickly. (laughs) I was like, I didn't do anything. But basically, you know, just to come back around and say, I just feel like it is very stigmatized in the Asian community. Is it just my perception or is that true? What do you think?
1: I think it's still incredibly stigmatized. And as an Asian American woman, I felt a lot of that apprehension and resistance within our communities, which is why I started Asian Americans for Cannabis Education back in 2015. Like My co-founders and I wanted to be a responsible face for cannabis users. And we wanted to help dispel all these myths and stigmas around this plant. And we hope that more transparency about our journey would open up conversations within our Asian American communities and also inspire others to come out of the cannabis closet as well. You know, like we need to just talk about this more. And cannabis in general is just so much more than 420 culture, like the stuff mm. that we're in mass media these days. Historically speaking, cannabis originated in China and Taiwan. and <gasps> Really? I know, dude.
0: (laughs) I did not know that. That's crazy.
1: Since the beginning of documented history, you know, cannabis was used for food, for fiber, medicine, and spiritual purposes. The Chinese character, yeah, Chinese character for cannabis is over 3,000 years old. It's, like, (laughs) mind-boggling. Wow. So how did it get so stigmatized? What happened? I mean, we have such a rich history of cannabis in ancient Asia, and it just got brushed under the rug. It wasn't until more modern times. um, I would say around the 60s through the 80s, it was the heavy influence of the United States and the war on drugs. That was when China began to crack down on the cultivation of cannabis and hemp. And it created all sorts of like Really weird, untrue rumors and stigmas. And still to this day, like China has like weed, just cannabis growing wild alongside the mountains. You know, like they're the largest producer of healthy wow. cannabis to this day. But it wasn't, Wait, yeah. What?
0: <laughs> Wait, you're blowing my mind. I thought I did enough research on you, but clearly I didn't. I had no idea. So it's just growing out there in the wild yeah. and they're the largest- They call it
1: weed for a cr- reason.
0: Creator of <laughs> Wow. So do people just leave it? (laughs) Like, what? It's just out there?
1: It's just like they cultivate a lot of hemp for CBD uses in China. They might call it under another name. It's just so like people don't talk about it. And there's still so much I have to learn too. You know, I can only speak to like my Asian American experience. There's so much more like left to uncover in Asia that, I mean, I'm fascinated, like I'm ready to deep dive in, you know, this is like based on the studies and like the research I did for the Asian art museum talk. And it's just like, really, really, really cool stuff. And I feel like if we connect these roots, like connect our roots back to traditional Chinese medicine, for example, you know, people used this back then, it was documented in the very first book of herbal medicine, written in the second century, like it was a traditional Chinese medicine, all this stuff was just lost along the way. Cultural revolution, war on drugs. People just don't talk about it anymore.
0: I love that you are doing this. Anytime anyone is out there trying to demystify something or destigmatize something, I am all for it. I love that you said come out of the cannabis closet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you had shared We all smoked weed, you know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, <Ride it. laughs> well,
0: you said that you felt a little bit embarrassed or even a little bit ashamed. How did you overcome that?
1: I mean, I was just doing me. Okay, so I started really diving into my Weed blog because I had herniated a disc. And that was my healing journey. I was like on a lot of opiates. My doctor prescribed me so many drugs. So not only was I dealing with a back injury from my herniated disc, my stomach was also a mess from all the pills. And I grew up with Chinese herbal medicine and all these remedies that my mom prepared for me. I didn't grow up popping a bunch of pills. And that's when I realized I needed a more holistic approach to my pain management. And I wanted to cook with cannabis. Yeah, I lived in a strict apartment building. It had a no smoking policy. And I just needed a discreet way to make my edibles. And since I worked at a sous vide company at the time, I thought, why don't I sous vide my weed? And it worked. And that's how sous vide was born. And I was just documenting my recipes and my experiments while I was healing myself. I just segued into this whole new world for me, working on cannabis brands, because they just started to reach out and um, work on branding projects, recipe testing, photo shoots. And not only was it just a creative journey, it was like a healing and wellness journey for me as well. It just became this whole intersection of like all my passions and my skills and healing.
0: Which honestly, I think that's the best way that I've seen just talking to other people, myself Really being able to hone in on, like you said, the intersection of all those things you love, like that's the goal, right? And it's so interesting that you started finding this out of a necessity. You just started doing it because you wanted to experiment on your own. And then just one thing led to another where ultimately led you to this incredible intersection of so many things that you enjoy. I think that's really cool.
1: Mm. Yeah, it was just doing me. And, you know, it just turned into something kind of wonderful. And now I feel like this fire, right? Like, I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's find out more.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm curious too. how did cannabis heal a herniated disc? How does that work?
1: There's a lot of other stuff that goes along with it. I had to go to a chiropractor. I also had to do acupuncture. I didn't want to focus on Western medicine. So there was a lot of other stuff to heal a herniated disc. But for the pain management side of it, the cannabis really, really helps to just, you know, alleviate the pain and not just physical pain, but mental as well. There's just so much stuff I couldn't do being stuck at home or in bed all the time. It was just a really good way for me to just heal myself physically and mentally.
0: Yeah, I think the pain management aspect of it is amazing. I've tried it myself when I've been in extreme pain. Like even sometimes even if I get food poisoning, I just can't take it anymore. And I'm like, let me just take a hit. And I feel better. Like, I don't feel nauseous. I don't feel like I'm going to die. I feel so much better when I do that.
1: It's just like a little balancing yourself out a little.
0: Yeah. Well, it's so interesting that it has all these incredible aspects. And because of just this one aspect of it, the 420 culture that you talked about that we've been exposed to, that we have dismissed all these other incredible properties and ways that this can be used as a tool to help us.
1: Yeah. and. I realize it's a way for people to advertise themselves, you know, going back into, you know, advertising and marketing, you know, they're like, yeah, sex sells boobs and buds and butts and all this stuff. But no, like there's so many other people and audiences that could benefit from it. And that's been untapped. You know, I used it for pain management. I don't fit under that whole like boobs and buds 420 culture. I'm kind of a nerd. And I'm a design nerd. And I love to cook and like, I don't fit under any of those buckets. And yet I'm still a cannabis user. I still smoke weed, I make edibles. And yeah, I don't subscribe to any of that other stuff.
0: Yeah, I totally relate to that. And by the way, I think that the idea of using a sous vide machine is so interesting because you're totally elevating your recipes. Mm-hmm. Like when I used to try to make pot brownies, it's like taking butter in a pan and like melting the weed by accident. Like it's not, it's in, very inelegant, which I think is completely the opposite of what you're doing.
1: <laughs> Thanks. And I mean, we, we've all been there. I've cooked on the top <laughs> before, but it was definitely out of a necessity. I was like, I don't want to get evicted, not with a herniated disc. And I was like, I got to yeah, be smart yeah. about it. What's
0: your favorite recipe that you've made?
1: Right now, I'm really into my Sichuan wontons. It's something I grew up with, but I recently infused this strain called GMO cookies, and it stands for garlic, mushrooms, and onions. And that's what it really smells like. It is funky strain. And it's perfect for cooking with Asian food because we use a lot of onions and garlic. So I infuse that into a sesame oil, turn that into a chili oil, and then I just drizzle it over wontons. And it's just like a delicious, really quick way to have like a meal or a snack. And it feels great.
0: Oh my God. Can you do like a pop-up in LA or something so I can eat that? That sounds amazing. Oh man,
1: I should have invited you. I was just in LA this weekend doing a pop-up with Hejin Chung from Big Bad Wolf. And it was just a really lovely dinner for amazing women in the cannabis industry in LA. And it was just like, incredible good vibes. The food was amazing. And it was just really nice to just like, you know, hang out with a bunch of really badass women and, you know, talk about cannabis and talk about what we're doing in the industry. (laughs)
0: That sounds awesome. And if you ever do it again, please give me a heads up because that sounds amazing. That sounds really, really awesome. And I'm curious too, you have so much press from what you've been doing. I was on your website. Okay. And you were like, what on NBC nightly news You're on the today show, you've been written up on vice, the Huffington post. I could go on and on and on, but I won't. Do you think it's important in this day and age that a creative find a niche for their work? Because you are clearly very niche in what you do. I'm very niche in what I do. Do you think in this day and age that's important?
1: I think it's important to do you. Like I never thought that I was going to go down this path, honestly. And I was just doing me. And I found out that it, it struck a niche, right? And it, it hit a need. As I was just healing myself and just documenting my experiments and my recipes, people started to reach out they were interested in what i was doing caretakers were reaching out and saying oh man like this is actually a really great way to make the infusions and the edibles i need to help heal myself and heal my my family without you know having to babysit a stovetop this and that it was just really really cool to see that people were engaged in it and really interested in it and it kind of just fueled me to continue on and like continue doing what I was doing. So it wasn't just, Hey, I'm going to do something and try to make a buck. It was very natural.
0: I like that. It was very organic. You weren't trying to do anything other than just be you, do you? So it's not even like you started out like, okay, there is a need in this area. There's a niche market here. If I get into cannabis stuff, I'll find work. You literally started creating stuff out of necessity for yourself, making things that you wanted in the world. And now here you are absolutely. Yeah. I was talking to somebody today about finding your voice as a creative. And I said, it's like following a trail of breadcrumbs. Mm And every crumb is basically like what you are interested in, what you like. And you just take these little tiny baby steps. You know, I've talked to a lot of people and it seems like this is just sort of a very consistent way of things happening. Obviously, things happen in many different ways. You can be somebody who you were born and since you were a kid, you knew what you wanted to do. But I think for a lot of us, we see people like that and we feel paralyzed because we're like, "Uh, I have no freaking idea what I'm supposed to do. And like, what, what do I do? And I think that it's okay to not know. And the way you move forward is literally you just follow the little tiny breadcrumbs, baby step by baby step, following what you like or what you need in the world or what you want to see in the world or make something just completely out of necessity like Mm -hmm. you did. Yeah,
1: chase those passions. And the struggle is also part of the journey. You know, every step I took, even the good ones and the bad ones and all the roadblocks as well has led me to where I am today. Like, it wasn't easy having a herniated disc, but, you know, it kind of led to some really, really awesome things. And it opened a lot of doors for me.
0: Yeah. Would you say that that's been the hardest part of your journey so far, overcoming like a really big personal injury? Or is there another story or something that you can tell us about a time you've really overcome something?
1: I think struggling through that, you know, was really challenging, figuring out what I would do with a herniated disc. I also, you know, lost my job. And it was one of those things where it's like, well, I just am in a really dark place right now. Everything hurts. What am I doing in San Francisco? And everything is really expensive here. And I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to focus on healing and one step at a time, little by little, as he mentioned. And It just started to open up doors for me and I was just doing me ultimately. And it's a crazy journey, but you just have to let it unfold.
0: Well, I think it's interesting too that you were able to create when you were experiencing chronic pain. Like how did you do that?
1: I mean, I need a creative outlet all the time. (laughs) As I mentioned, I'm Mm. a type A kind of crazy person. So like I gotta get that creative energy out somehow. And for me, that was making food for myself and healing myself through my food and And I love taking photos. Food photography is like one of my passions. And I was just doing that and documenting it. And it just kind of took off. And you're a self-taught photographer. I am. Yeah. I went to school for advertising and design, but I um, worked on a lot of photo shoots and TV shoots behind the scenes as like an art director, but not so much behind the cameras. I picked it up and I loved it. And I just kept practicing. I cook a lot anyway at home. So I would just document what I made. And that's kind of how I taught myself.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm like, are we the same person?
1: (laughs) Because I also
0: was an art director in advertising. I went to art school for advertising and design. And I am also a self-taught photographer photographing the thing that I love the most. Similar to you. And I think just in general, it's so important that you love your subject, whether it's you're painting something or you're photographing something or you're writing about something, I think it's so important that you really enjoy it and like it because that desire for it really shows in the work. And people would ask me, I don't know about you, Monica, but like people would ask me, can you do my headshots? Can you shoot my wedding? I love your style. It's so bright and airy. I want to see it in my wedding. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I don't like weddings.
1: (laughs) The subject is like so important. Yeah. I don't do weddings either. Portraits are a little more challenging for me. Yeah. You really, really have to love it. And um, love whatever you're shooting. I mean, and my friend and I joke about this all the time. She's like, we could literally be sitting at the same table on the same side and your photos will look completely different from mine. I'm like, we all have different eyes and the way that we perceive things are completely different from each other. We could be sitting on the same side and we can be focused on completely different things. I love
0: that you just said that. Yes, I totally agree true. It's true. Yeah. It's so interesting that you just said that you can have the same plate of food and you'll have a bunch of different photographers and each photograph is going to look completely different. There's this um, challenge, I think it's called like draw this in your style on Instagram. And it's like someone posts a picture of something and then you have to draw it in your own style. And it's so cool to see what everyone else's finished product looks like. Because like you said, everybody sees with their own
1: eyes. I love that. I have to check that out.
0: Yeah. I don't know how you feel about this question, but like when people ask me, oh, what camera and lenses do you use? It really annoys me. I don't get it as much anymore, but I got it all the time. I want to say like in the first six or seven years of my career, do you get that?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. What kind of lens do you use? Or like what (laughs) apps do you use to edit? Stuff like that where you're like, no, it just, you know, it varies per person. Like I've seen so many incredible, like just phone photographers. I mean, I shoot a lot of my things on my phone these days as well, and it's the person behind the machine.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. This is why I like teaching workshops. I don't teach very many workshops, but the one that I have taught consistently is how to take great photos with your iPhone, because I really believe it's the person, not the gear. And and I'm a portrait photographer. So it's really about what your eyes in your head is seeing and not what the camera is seeing. The camera is merely a tool to help you capture what you are seeing with your own eyeballs, you know? Absolutely. So we've talked about how cannabis or weed, marijuana pot, whatever you want to call it. We've talked about how it's really good with intentional use. Like it's not just for recreational use, but you can use it for healing. Like we talked about, we use it for meditation. What about for creativity? What do you think about using cannabis to cultivate your creativity?
1: I think it's a really, really great tool. Like I mentioned, I'm a really type A, like zero chill kind of person. So it really helps me on just being creative and focusing in on that creativity and what I want to get done. It just flows out. You just let it flow. You can jot it down. It's that really dumb quote where it's just like, (laughs) write drunk, edit sober. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> totally. That is so applicable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> i do anything drunk. I'm just a mess. But like it really it's true for cannabis. Like, you can use cannabis for that. Like just let it flow out. Like really just let your creativity go and then bring yourself in a little later on. Just see what comes out.
0: That's totally my process, too. If I am smoking weed for the purpose of coming up with ideas, you know, I'll smoke and I'll sit down with a journal and I'll just let my brain go crazy and I'll write it all down. And there are times where I'm like, oh, my God, I just had the best genius idea ever. And I wake up in the morning
1: and it's crap. Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Um, I would get really stoned and have these incredibly in-depth conversations about internet memes and gifs with my girlfriends. And we would joke that it'd be amazing to be like a meme historian or like an art historian because memes and gifs are... A modern day art form. And we're like, man, that's hilarious and just like so stupid. But it turns out there's like a brand new show on Vice called Internet Art History. <laughs> and <everyone's talking laughs> <it> we're visionaries. <laughs> that was actually the best idea ever,
0: Monica. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a movie once, really messed up. I uh, can't remember. I wish I could remember because it was actually a terrible movie. But I was so messed up. And I realized that I've discovered something that to this day, I call the hierarchy of sound principle. And my husband was my boyfriend at the time, but I remember I was like messaging him after the movie, like, I just came up with the most genius principle. It's called the hierarchy of sound principle. And he was like, read this tomorrow morning and you're going to think it's the stupidest <laughs> crap ever. But I will say to this day, I think it's genius. Okay. So the hierarchy of sound principle is this, is that when you're watching a movie, There's a hierarchy in sound, like the dialogue is the topmost sound you're going to pay attention to because the background noise or the orchestral music or the instrumental that's like secondary in this hierarchy, right? But the entire time I was watching this movie, the hierarchy flipped and the dialogue was in the background and the music was at the top of the hierarchy. So the entire movie, I basically just listened to the music. That's the hierarchy of sound principle.
1: No, it's not stupid <laughs> at all. Totally, I no, I'm with you on that. It's an it's an editor thing too. You know, there's like the levels and stuff. So maybe they did flip it around, or maybe it was intentional. Who knows? Like they put maybe, like I don't know, or maybe.
0: <laughs> now that you know that the hierarchy of sound principle exists, you will never be able to forget it. Next time you watch a movie, you're going to pay attention to the music and not the dialogue. I'm going to
1: text you when that happens. I'll be like, let's it yeah. <laughs> it's true." Just- true.
0: Do you find that certain strains are better for creativity? Because I also feel like it's dependent on the person.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's dependent on the person for sure. Um, there are some strains that like make me feel a certain way and it's completely opposite for somebody else. It's, it's your own personal journey when it comes to smoking cannabis or consuming cannabis. Um, and I, I think it's important to like keep a journal as well. There's so many strains out there. But once you find the one that's yours, you're like, yes, this is it. <laughs> and I'm not changing.
0: Can you talk to us about the difference between indica and sativa and hybrid?
1: Most of the strains these days are hybrid anyway, so I don't really subscribe to like the whole indica sativa stuff. Every strain has a different chemical makeup containing different ratios of cannabinoids like THC, CBD, and then different terpenes as well that work together to give you a particular effect. So all those things together within a strain makes you feel a certain way. And every strain is different and every person is different. So when it comes to selecting a strain, give it a whiff, your nose knows, and you might be drawn to something that's more citrusy and has a limonene terpene profile versus something that's more piney or more funky. So like I mentioned, keep a journal and just note how each particular strain affects you. Do you find that
0: like, cause I've heard people say to me like indica, I think, remember indica is like in the couch. Like it makes you, like it makes your body feel more heavy. Like you're more present in your body. You're more relaxed. It's good for having munchies. Do you think that's true?
1: I think everything these days is pretty hybridized. Um, it's just been crossbred over and over again. I mean, some will make you feel like that and they've done tests or something and it might make you feel like you're in the couch or I've also had sativas that have done that to me. So it's interesting. We all have like different physiological makeups and it just all depends on the person to be honest.
0: Yeah, because the other thing I always heard, so if Indica is in the couch, then sativa is more like what you would want to use like when you want to be alert, like during the day, for example.
1: Or more focused and stuff like that. Or more
0: focused, yeah. Yeah, So
1: you're saying like
0: those labels just don't even matter because everything's hybridized anyway.
1: Yeah. That impact. is so
0: interesting. Wow. But you know what though? Like, cause I always thought that I was a hybrid girl. Cause I remember the worst, worst, worst high I've ever had. It's only happened once. And it was too much in my head. Like, like you, I am very type a go, 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 go all the time. So I prefer it when my high just kind of relaxes me a little bit more and the worst high i've had in my life was when i felt like i was on a like a crazy acid trip like my brain was rolling in waves and it wouldn't stop
1: yeah i've had those as well you're never going to overdose and like die but like you can go a little too far and Man, it's uncomfortable. Like you just like have to lay down and write it out. Or nap. Yeah. So, are you saying
0: that was more like a dosage issue versus a sativa and indica issue?
1: I would say it's more of a dosage issue. <sighs> and you know, a lot of strains these days are bred to have more THC. So, if you, the THC will have more of a psychoactive effect on you, maybe try something that has more of like a one to one ratio or a higher CBD ratio to kind of balance it out.
0: I don't even know what that means. What does that mean?
1: <laughs> so, all the different strains, they all have different cannabinoid ratios. There's over a hundred different kinds of cannabinoids. So THC is one of them. CBD is another. People have been talking about CBD a lot. Um, It's not psychoactive, um, non-intoxicating. It has more of like a relaxing effect. There's THCA, there's CBDA, CBG. There's so many different ones, but all of them working together in tandem with each other, along with like the aromatic properties or like the terpene profiles, that's what gives you an effect. That's why it's so hard to prescribe when you're like, mm. okay, go, go get this or that. Like it's hard to like actually figure out what works for you, which is why giving it a sniff and trying it out, trying a smaller dose and just seeing how that feels for you really helped you determine which strain is best.
0: Do you have a preference between like vape pens versus actually smoking the herb, the flower?
1: I prefer to smoke the flower just mm. because it's closer to the actual plant. A lot of the times vapes will have like other additional flavors added to it, which I'm not particularly a fan of. Like I just want straight up cannabis and I get that effect with flower. And whenever I make my infusions, I use flowers. So I get to like have all of those amazing cannabinoid properties like infused into the food. So I prefer that. The closer I can get to the plant, the better.
0: What's your method of choice for smoking it?
1: Um, I have my cute little pipe. It's a pepper. (laughs) (laughs) pepper.
0: (laughs) pepper And then are you concerned at all about inhaling the smoke? Because I think that's sort of like why a lot of people like to vape as opposed to smoking it.
1: It doesn't bother me as much. Like when I smoke, it's usually at night. It's not throughout the entire day. Generally, I'm an edibles girl. Mm, Me too. (laughs) I
0: love edibles
1: and I'll just like have, you know, I'll have my edibles throughout the day, smaller, smaller dosages. And then at night I'll go for a little heavier dose and just chill out, watch some Netflix, go to sleep early like a grandma. (laughs) (laughs)
0: do you do creative work while you're on weed then i mean you're saying you microdose throughout the day so are you finding yourself doing creative work while you're stoned
1: yeah a lot of it it actually helps take the edge off just softens the edges a little bit and i'm able to just focus and just be creative and not getting hung up on emails or calendar invites or any of that other noise it's just take the edge off and just like and just go just jam what do you consider a microdose So, generally speaking, a lot of first time microdosers will start around one to three milligrams just to get the very bare minimal effect. But the dose really depends on you and you as a person. Some people just have a higher tolerance than others. My microdose is five milligrams.
0: I always had a hard time with the milligram thing because it's like if you get a chocolate bar, how do you figure out what a microdose like one to three milligrams is? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that's what drives me crazy too about like edibles that you buy at a dispensary, mm-hmm. like say a beginner's dose is like 10 milligrams, which I think is pretty high for a beginner. I like to tell people like five to 10 milligrams. And then how do you cut one of those tiny pieces into like, you know, five different pieces for like a microdose, like a one milligram microdose? It's yeah. Really what a challenging, which is why I like to encourage people to make their own. Mm-hmm. And then once you make your own, you can dose it to your personal preference. And if it's in a tincture bottle, for example, you can add a couple drops to your salad dressing and then you consume that at lunch. Or put a couple drops in your coffee in the morning and just do it that way. It's a lot easier to dose yourself if you make it yourself because you know what's going into it.
0: I'm thinking about, let's say there's a listener out there who is kind of curious and they're listening and they're like, this conversation is crazy. I kind of want to try this, but I don't want to end up like Grace where she feels like she's on the worst acid trip of her life. And I actually vomited. That's the one and only time I've ever vomited being stoned too. So what do you think someone in those shoes, like what could they do? Like say they're in LA, they're listening right now. There's recreational shops everywhere and they want to give this a whirl what do they do? Walk us through step-by-step.
1: So there are a lot of products out there on the shelves now that are great for this purpose. So there is a brand called Potley and they have olive oil and honeys and they're precisely dosed, and you can just take that like one teaspoon and put it in your tea and see how that feels for you like if you're really curious to try with a lighter dose i recommend five milligrams and you know, just see how that feels for you wait up to two hours see how that affects your body and then you'll get a good range then like hey i should stick around the five milligrams range or i didn't really feel much so let's go to 10 milligrams next time that's how you get a gauge of where your tolerance levels are. And then after that, you can get a little bit more creative. Try something else. Try a chocolate or a gummy um, and work yourself up from there.
0: And you just said wait one to two hours to see how that first dose feels. Did you just say that?
1: Yes, I did. And it takes a while to kick in because your body metabolizes it in a different way. Like when you smoke, it goes straight into your lungs, into your system. It's fast. But when you're consuming it as an edible, you know, it takes a lot longer to process in your body. So I like to tell people like wait one to two hours to really feel the full effects. Some people are like, "Uh, I don't feel anything. And then I have another edible and then they're like, oh shit,
0: I bought too much. That's why I was, I wanted to bring this up because I have had that experience with people where they tell me I hate edibles because I didn't feel it and I just kept taking it and then I ended up so messed up and now I hate weed and I never want to do it again. And I'm like, well, I mean, obviously do you, right? I'm not out Mm -hmm. here like trying to convert you to using marijuana, whatever. You do you, right? But I just think that, like, if you do it wrong the first time and it turns you off, it's like not the weed; it's because you messed up taking it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, I totally I feel that. And it drives me crazy when people are like, they completely write it off, and they're like, I had one really awful experience, and that's it forever. And you're like, no. <laughs> Yeah. User error.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I think it's great that you say wait one to two hours because I think a lot of people don't wait it out and then really overdose because of that. That's another reason why, honestly, like for people who are like, well, I want to try it. I don't try it. Like, what should I do, Grace? I recommend smoking it because I just feel like it's a lot more controllable. Like you feel it
1: faster. Yeah. And there are vape pens too that, you know, they're like, okay, one hit and then wait. like a couple minutes and then you see how that feels. And then if you want to do it again, do it again. So yeah, I mean, if you want to do a vape pen, I think that is a really great way for beginners. Like you just pull on the pen and that's it. Edibles are also great because it's like a low barrier to entry. Everybody eats, but it does take a little bit longer for your body to really process it and for you to really feel the effects.
0: And the high lasts longer. So I've heard a lot of people tell me they don't like edibles because they want it to stop and it won't. But I like that it lasts long. Me
1: too, it's my preference. Right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so if you want to just experiment and give this a try, like maybe not do an edible only because if you've never done this before and then you're stuck feeling in a feeling you don't like for a long time, like that might be kind of crappy too.
1: Yeah, and I would say if you start to feel that way where you've consumed a little too much, CBD is really great. There are lots of tinctures out there nowadays that are just pure CBD and that helps to balance out all the psychoactive effects of the THC just to balance you out and bring you back down a little bit. Did not know that. Mm -hmm. That's a good tip. So if you're too stoned, you take a little CBD
0: and it balances it out. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. You know what I found really helps if you're too stoned and you need to balance it out? Uh, Drink water. I find water to be very grounding and pet a dog. (laughs)
1: That really um, helps. Yeah, <laughs> finding comforting to just like take your mind off of it. Drink yeah, water, take a nap,
0: take a walk. Yeah, yeah, take a nap and and shake it off. Yeah. So I'm curious, what cool idea or project have you come up with while you were stoned? I mean,
1: weed was one of them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, genius like, uh,
1: when I mentioned Asian Americans for cannabis education that was something that my roommate at the time and I came up with when we were having our dink tank, tank sessions we would just like hot box ourselves in our room and just come up with crazy ideas and that was definitely one of to do so I feel like some of my best ideas have come from being a little stone
0: your dank tank sessions. Did you use it while you worked in advertising?
1: Uh, Yes, I did. And it was more for stress levels. When I worked in advertising, it was just like, calm me the F down after a really, really crazy day of work. And I didn't want to get too wasted on on alcohol. Just needed a smoke and just end the day.
0: Yeah. You know, I used it in advertising, not all the time because I don't know if you've ever felt this way. Maybe maybe this is something that we can talk about more, but like I didn't ever want to feel dependent on coming up with amazing creative ideas. Um, I didn't want to be dependent on weed for that. And so with advertising, I was like very careful. Like I feel like I'd only use it in my most desperate moments where I was like, crap, if I don't come up with something, I feel like I'm going to lose my job, you mm-hmm. know? But I used it when I worked and like came up with like a really awesome ad campaign that like went viral and like won awards. Like it was a really good ad campaign. Yeah. It was like a bunch of talking cows, which I don't know. (laughs) Uh, The campaign was dependent on talking cows. So it's not that the weed helped me come up with the idea of talking cows, but it was like what they were doing. And one of them was a Korean cow and she spoke entirely in Korean and I ended up doing the voiceover for it. But it was really fun. Um, But like I said, I never wanted to become dependent on it. Have you ever thought that? Yeah,
1: And I don't think it is like a more so a dependency issue for me at the time. There was just a lot of stigma around it still. And I didn't want to talk about it. And I was just afraid because there wasn't enough research. I didn't know what it would do. Long term, but you know, now that there's more research coming out, now like it's not habit forming, it's not like addictive. A lot of people can abuse it, but I don't think you can really gain a dependence on it. I just like to use it as a creative tool and tool for like my anxiety and my stress.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't think I thought that I would develop like a chemical, physical dependency on it. I think for me, I was afraid I would develop a, a creative one, a creative dependency, like feeling like I'm only going to come up with my best work if I'm stoned.
1: <laughs> it's a you know, we live in California and we have access to so much of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, you know,
0: I, I think that that is something that could happen. Like maybe people use it as a crutch almost. There's this article that was really good. It was on Artsy, written by Alexa Gotthardt. And I'm going to read this quote. She said, she said, While smoking weed can buoy creative thought, artists probably shouldn't rely on it to loosen bouts of creative block or inspire a brilliant new idea. I think it's a really great tool. And we've talked so much about how awesome it is and how helpful it can be. I just feel like I don't think people should rely on it to do their best work. It's just another tool in the toolbox that could maybe... Help us and we can have fun with it, but it shouldn't be like the only thing in our toolkit that we use to help us make awesome work.
1: I agree with that. It's the intention behind it, behind your youth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So then I was going to say, do you think there's any downside to using cannabis for your creativity? Because it sounds like maybe not then.
1: Mm, I guess, yeah. Way downsides to it. Maybe if you consume too much, you know?
0: Yeah, Sometimes that's true. Sometimes if I consume
1: too much, I'm like, well, I'm just going to go to sleep now <laughs> and nothing gets done. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe the
0: only downside that I can really think of is maybe us developing a false crutch yeah. on it. You know, I think, like you said, if we have the right intention, it's really a medicine, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I definitely think it's a medicinal tool. When people say, oh, recreational versus medicinal, I think all cannabis use is medicinal. And, you know, we use it, it's like we mentioned, the intention behind it, if you're using it in a social setting to, you know, ease your social anxieties or to talk to people or to like just, you know, get just the conversation going, like that's also medicinal use.
0: Yeah, I think that it is a really sacred medicinal plant that we should always respect. And like you said, use with attention. I mean, that's not to say like, it's not super fun. It's so fun. You know, I don't drink. So for me, like, I love it. It's so fun. But it's also, like I said, sacred. It's really so much more than just this like, stoner. Ooh, let's be dumb and go get the munchies thing. You know, it's really helped me so much in my own personal growth and spiritual development and healing a lot of really deep wounds inside of me. You know, what's interesting, this is an aside, is we talked about how it really helps with pain management. I have found that it helps me with emotional pain. Maybe it's similar in that way. Cause like it helps sort of, if you're feeling a physical pain, it really kind of masks that feeling right? And I have found in my healing work, when I'm using it in my meditation, when you're going really deep inside yourself, you're going to come up against really old, painful, emotional things. And I think most of us are very afraid of feeling that. Like we purposely try to avoid it at all costs and we will numb ourselves if we can to do that. And what I have found that if I'm meditating with the intention of healing, using marijuana, it allows me to sit with that emotional discomfort, And then in sitting with it, I can move through it. And that promotes the healing. Have you ever experienced anything like
1: that? I totally, completely agree with that. And I've been having so many conversations around that recently as well. And it's just like what you mentioned, like there's a lot of old wounds, you know, and there's a lot of growth that we've like experienced throughout the years. And some of them are really, really hard to deal with. And cannabis really, really helps to, you know, help you grow through it and move through it and sit to face it.
0: Yeah. It helps us to face it. You know, and like I said, I find that when we have very uncomfortable emotions, our first instinct, I think, is to just not feel it. And I think that what happens with uncomfortable emotions, at least for me, is that if I sit with it, if I allow myself to feel it, for whatever reason, I think it's that confrontation like you said, in confronting it, the healing then begins because it's like you're allowing yourself to feel this thing that you've avoided your whole life, and suddenly you're face to face with it, and then you realize once you feel it again, it kind of lets go
1: yeah, yeah, and you forgive whatever happened or you forgive yourself for allowing those things to happen and and then you grow from that. you learn a lot about yourself, and cannabis is a really wonderful tool for that, you know, and on the flip side, you know people use alcohol for that reason to like numb the pain, hide from it. And those ugly, dark parts of yourself can manifest itself in, in so many other ways. And it's just, it's not good. And I found that with cannabis use, I was able to, you know, process things in a more positive way. And, you know, not, not so much of a damaging experience, but like a, a growing experience. It
0: is so cool to talk to somebody else that has used it in this way. Because like I said, I just stumbled upon this by accident, like in meditation. And I didn't even realize people used it for spirituality. Like I've used it this way for a very long time now. And I remember I would start Googling, like, do people do this? (laughs) Like (laughs) marijuana, like spirituality, like am I the only one? And then I started finding more and more people using it this way. I was like, how come no one talks about this?
1: I got to connect you with some really, really cool ladies in LA that do great healing sessions with cannabis.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Please connect away. That's awesome.
1: You're going to love it.
0: And you said something about self-awareness, like really getting to know who you are through the healing process. And I think what's interesting is that creativity is very similar. So I think that if you were using cannabis to work on yourself and heal yourself in doing that and cultivating that self-awareness that leads to better creativity.
1: I think so. And maybe that's where you'll find your path and what you're passionate about and find your niche that way as well.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Are there certain personalities that you think are more suited for cannabis?
1: Yeah, I definitely think there are people who consume it and say it just doesn't work, or it makes them feel paranoid. And I also know people who are just ultra sensitive. Why is it so pleasurable for me and so uncomfortable for others? And we're just now starting to see as we're getting funding for more research that we're going to see research on how it affects us psychologically. And Mm. last month in Canada, there was a study that was published in Scientific Reports that explored the divergent psychological effects of the THC. So in rats, they studied that if the front part of your brain is sensitive to THC, it produces a more rewarding effect and less stress and more feelings at ease. Whereas the rats who are more sensitive to THC in the back regions of the brain, it produces more of a negative reaction like paranoia and i'm sure other traits like self esteem and genetics are going to play a part but we just need to do more research before we can you know discover and say definitively how it affects people
0: that's really interesting. Cause I have a really good friend who has tried smoking many times and it makes her feel paranoid. She doesn't like it. And I've always thought like, maybe you just haven't found the right strain, but it's more like maybe physiologically, you just don't like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it just activates differently in her body. And she's just like, this is just not for me. And that's totally fair.
0: Hmm, wow, you have shared so much interesting information on this episode today that I never knew. So thank you <laughs> so much. Oh my gosh. How do you want people to remember this episode with you?
1: Um, I want to say that your journey is completely yours and it's unique to you. So continue chasing your passions and be thankful for those roadblocks that you run into. And how you overcome those struggles is also a part of your story.
0: Oh, that is so resonant. It gave me chills. I feel like it is so applicable to your journey overcoming, you know, chronic pain and all these hardships and challenges. And you are out there doing such awesome work, demystifying and destigmatizing cannabis. Thank you, Monica, so much for your time today.
1: Thank you for
0: having me. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review the show on iTunes and share it with a friend. Don't be shy. Reach out to me anytime online and I will catch you next week on the next episode.